This week, we're joined by Shelly Cole, who you might know from her role as Madeline in Gilmore Girls. Shelly has had roles in many shows and movies and is now an acting coach, which we'll talk more about later. And she has also recently published a book which encapsulates foundational memories and events from her life called Blue Highways, which you can find on Amazon. And we're excited to have her here to talk about her time on Gilmore Girls and everything since then. So thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, it's so exciting to have you here. And right before we started, we were talking about um, if you're an acting coach currently. And we were curious, are you acting coach, teaching? What's going on with you currently? I am an acting coach. I've been, um, when I I decided to get out of the business of acting, um, I really wanted to make a move into working with kids because I love that. I've always loved that before and after being my time as an actor in, in Los Angeles and um, acting in kids is the, the two things that I can do. I know how to do. So anyway, um, I moved here in 2010 to Denver, Colorado, and I love it here. And I immediately got into coaching acting to, to youth. Um, and I'm currently teaching acting and I have been for the past eight years at um, an acting studio called Peak Acting Studios. Uh, owned by this really wonderful woman, Christine Reed, who I love and adore so much. And she's been so good to me and allowed me to teach whatever it is that I feel necessary. And I teach five classes a week. Uh, I teach little kids, eight years old to nine years old to 10 years old. And then I teach a tween class. And then I teach a teen, two teen class classes, which are super challenging. Um, However, I am making a move. Um, It was one of really one of the hardest decisions uh, that I had to make regarding career, uh, but I've decided to take a full-time oh, yeah. uh, special education teaching position um, in the public school system at a charter school, um, Byers, a Byers Middle School, um, where I've spent the last year and a half um, coming in as a substitute teacher, not teaching classes, <laughs> but because um, I don't really enjoy that, uh, but not like yeah. 35 <laughs> like kids who don't want to be there. It's a much better teach Mm -hmm. a bunch of kids who Mm -hmm. do want to be there, you know, in acting. Um, But um, my dog monkey is uh, a service animal and um, she has come with me uh, always. And so we go to the school and we work with kids who, um, you know, are stressed out or maybe having just having behavioral issues or emotional issues. Um, and we pr- primarily work in the sixth grade and I've become very close with the staff and, um, I feel really like at home at this school and they've offered me a full-time, um, special education, um, yeah. uh, job. And so I'm not going to be a special education teacher. What I'm going to do is, um, is, uh, assist, uh, certain mm-hmm. special ed kids throughout the day and, um, monkey and I are, and, uh, just that's our new transition. So we're going to start the school year doing that. And actually some yesterday was, uh, the day that I told Christine oh. that I was going to be yeah. leaving and we both cried our faces off and we're so oh. sad. This has really been a hard decision because mm-hmm. I love coaching acting to kids and I love her and I love the kids that I coach and I've built these relationships and saying goodbye to that is going to be gutting but um they have offered me an after school um theater program at the school Mm. um so they want to use me as much as they can and I really appreciate that and I just feel like I feel like by the time I get to retirement if I hadn't made this choice for myself and put away money and 401k and 
medical benefits and stuff, yeah, I'd have been, I'd regret it, you know, as mm-hmm. working as a teacher, I'm a, you know, an acting coach, I'm a 1099 mm-hmm. employee and there's no, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, it's, it was a must, a must yeah. have, must That's do a situation. to have a change. My mom mm-hmm. is also, a, she's a special ed yeah. aide in high school. She's retiring this year. So she has been. How long has she been? Um, almost 20 years, I want to say. She started off in elementary schools and then she has been doing high school for 13 years or so. But it's a hard job, but she's cool. she really like enjoys bonding with her, the students that she works with every day. So, yeah. I've, 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 um, I've gotten to be close with a lot of the kids um, at the school, um, especially the kids with, you know, emotional or developmental disabilities mm-hmm. um, or behavioral disabilities. And um, I've found that um, the necessity for someone like me, but especially someone like me that has yeah. a dog uh, has is so, mm-hmm. it's so important and I'm really glad to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine having monkey around mm-hmm. helps so much with the kids and everybody. It really does. And and somehow the teachers and the staff and the special ed powers that be have said that that um I have very um I have a way with them and a way in somehow I find my way in with them. And that it's a really valuable thing. When I brought it up to them at the end of the school year this year, that I was, I would love to take on a bigger role. Uh, they all just said, really? <laughs> that would be really, really great. We would love yeah. that. We'll, you, you just tell us it when and we'll pull the trigger. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a gift, you know, like I agree. I agree. a calling. I, I feel like it is, but it's going to be hard work. Plus getting up every day at 6 a.m. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I don't do that. I think at night, you know, and I love to sleep. Oh so. so much time off too, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we done a lot of teaching while we were grad students as well. And I've always said, like, I don't think I could do any younger than college aged for a d- few different reasons, such as I am not <laughs> able to work at 6 a.m. You know what? <laughs> when I was a nat- working actor, I was waking up at 4.30 a.m. Um, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, so, you know, like... <laughs> um, it's going to be a very vast change in, in, in my whole routine, but it's, I think it's going to be great. And of course, you know, my, my coaching job would probably always mm-hmm. still be there. Should I want to go back to it, mm-hmm. but we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping for the very, very best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Well, we might talk about that a bit more later, but we do want to get started with some rapid fire hey. questions about your favorites related to Gilmore Girls and whatnot. Okay. And we do about I think a thirty seconds. Or so, Suzanne, right? Thirty but, seconds. Mean, okay. Yeah. No um, pressure. <laughs> okay. Thirty seconds is good. So I'll read the questions, and we think of like short answers, but then you're free to expand on them more after. The I seconds. talk, so I'm gonna try to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a challenge it's a yeah challenge we're not keeping track of who gets through the most so there's really no pressure <laughs> okay. Ooh, whatever I'm always game for whatever okay ready set cool. go pick your favorite Rory Lorelai or Emily Emily pick your favorite Dean Jess or Logan Dean. your favorite Max Christopher or Luke uh Max 
Fall, winter, spring, or summer in Stars Hollow. Fall. Favorite Stars Hollow town member? Ooh, um, Suki. In real life, who would you be friends with? Paris, Madeline, or Rory? Um, Rory? <laughs> Favorite Chilton villain? Tristan, Francie, or Paris? Um, I don't like any of them. <laughs> cool. Uh, favorite Chilton guy, Tristan, Brad, Max, or Charleston? Oh, Max. Beep. <laughs> I ended up going okay. for one minute so we could get to all of the questions that are more relevant <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah, we tried to throw in some Chilton ones. <laughs> Madeline, I'd be friends with Madeline. She'd be so much yeah. fun. Hey, let's go to Paris. Let's do mm -hmm. one of that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Are there any questions you wanted to expand upon at all? Um... Well, I mean, I was friends with all of those mm -hmm. people, uh, um, uh, Liza and um, Chad and Emily. Um, Chad, I think this was his first gig. It was mine, I know. Uh, and um, Teal. We we had a lot of fun. Um, and I know I remember Chad being just kind of like, I know that the people in uh, Warner Brothers really wanted to place him in a mm -hmm. show. They wanted, they were like, he, his, he's going to be a star. We got to find yeah. something for him. I know that Amy was like, nah, she was kind of lukewarm about him. So they put him in that other show, Doss, no, or what is it called? One Tree Hill. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but he was sweet. Everyone was really cool. My favorite. I mean, I loved being on set. It was a hard job because it last, it, I mean, everything had to be said word for word and all of this really, really long paragraphs and paragraphs of dialogue um mm -hmm. had to be said in exactly the way it was written exactly and always exactly and that was the hardest part and it would amount to really long days mm. it was grueling it was truly grueling it was very difficult it was the hardest show in terms of that sort of thing that I've ever worked on um but it was that's why it was such a popular show it was because it was so specific about how they how Amy and Dan, how Amy wanted mm. it. She wanted it very specific. The only direction I ever received in terms of acting was faster. Oh, gosh. Faster. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. like, I some shows really rely on a lot on, like, improv or, like, chemistry between the actors, but this one seems to really be, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously chemistry between the actors, but also, like, the perfectly the written script lines. <laughs> Yeah, the scripts typically for an hour show are, you know, around, I don't know, like 48 pages or something like that to allow for commercials and stuff. But this thing was like, like 68, Gosh. 70 something pages. So much wow. more. Oh my God. It's like a whole dissertation chapter or something. <laughs> yeah. And part of the end of it was stage direction. Most of it was dialogue. Oh how did you learn through that process? Did you have any tricks of like, how do you just speak faster? I guess experience could certainly help, but. I think that that was part of this part of the, just the thing from the very mm -hmm. start was this is how it is. I mean, for my first audition, I only auditioned once. I didn't have this whole process of like, you know, um, hundreds of people and then you could narrow it down and then you go to producers and then you go to like blah 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 and then 
<laughs> network testing and studio testing. I didn't have to do any of that. I mean, it was just me and Amy and Mara Casey in a, who cast it in a trailer on, you know, the lot. I did the scene in the bushes and then <laughs> left. And as I was walking to my car, Mara came and grabbed me from the parking lot and said, you know what? Amy actually wants to see it one, one other way. And I said, okay. Wow. And <clears throat> I was barely home before I got the call that said that, you know, they'd cast me and, and nobody, I didn't know that it was going to turn into three and a half years, 35 episodes. I just had no one yeah. knew, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was the, that's the job that keep kept on giving and still keeps on yeah. giving. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about it like 21 years later. (laughs) I mean, it's Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Well, I mean, actually 23. It came out in 2000. Oh, yeah, that's true. Pardon my math. (laughs) I'm an English major. (laughs) All good. It came out in 2000, though. I had completely Mm -hmm. forgotten your first scene was that scene in the bushes. (laughs) That's a really interesting way to, uh, like, erupt have an arrival on a show it's hiding in the bushes outside of the guidance counselor's office <laughs> yeah i know i remember that scene and that's the scene i was doing in the trailer when i auditioned and it was just i i i, I was immediately drawn to madeline um mm-hmm. and her whimsy and her sort of idiot savantness <laughs> and i think amy really i think as a show evolves the characters evolve and become mm-hmm. who they are and I don't know, honestly, if she had a firm uh, vision for like end game, you know what I mean? For, for who Madeline and Louise were going to be. Um, I think she was more specific about who, who Paris was. Um, but I think Madeline and Louise just evolved into this um, just lovable duo mm-hmm. and, and just fun, like really fun. Yeah. I, and I, I think, you know, when they pop up on on screen, um, I, I think it is kind of like, it's kind of some comic yeah. relief, you know, like not comic relief because there's so much funny stuff about it, but it's just, a, there was a brightness to it. And I just think it was, it worked and I'm so grateful for it. My God, 35 <laughs> yeah. episodes for God's sake. And you know, the spring break was the last one I did and I knew it was going to be the last one I was going to do. It felt right. It felt like a great closure. And, um, and I never expected to come back for those two episodes in mm. before because we're both idiots, you know, we're not going to, <laughs> not going to Yale, wherever Yale or whatever they went. And so <laughs> I quit, Totally, I quit at spring break. I never went back or I quit after a month and never went back. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we wrote down when Madeline and Louise announced their colleges and it's like Madeline going to the all girls school, I think. Um, what was the name of it? Uh, I don't oh. remember. I can't remember either. <laughs> yeah, it was something I hadn't heard of before. I think Brown Louise decided like on Tulane. Yeah, yeah. Louise went to Big Easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like the best. Yeah. Like going to an all-girls school for a character. Like Madeline and Louise were kind of like boy crazy the whole time. It just didn't seem like why the would, best decision. I mean, first of all, why would they ever go somewhere not together? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but whatever. Anyway, it made sense in the long run because of course, you know, Madeline said, screw this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> out of here. Just yeah. don't do spring break. What do you think? Yeah. Like in an ideal world, what is your vision for what Madeline would be doing post high school and on to like now? Madeline. Um, I often think that when I, when I think about it, uh, that she's probably, um, 
living she, I, I kind of see her in like a penthouse in New York um, with a house on Sag Har- in Sag Harbor. And um, and of course, a Paris apartment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure she married up. Uh, and I think she's got a, a one son, one child, a boy. He's definitely gay. Um, his name is, I don't know. Sebastian. Ooh, I like that. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know what his name is, but I see mm-hmm. her um, very, very, very happy um, and d- doting on her beautiful son that she loves more than anything else in the world. And um, I think she's probably fairly happy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. always good. Her husband's a, he's a businessman and he's away a lot. Of course. Of course. He flies. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> he flies away a lot and she, she definitely uh she does something she doesn't sit around mm-hmm. you know she um maybe she has a boutique or maybe she does work for her son's school or i don't know i don't know yeah yeah yeah, yeah that sounds fun. nice <laughs> we always since there was the revival like six years ago or something now and we there are so many characters we didn't get to see like their their potential future for and some of the ones that we did see mm-hmm. the future for like didn't seem in line with with what we had imagined it, well they asked me originally that uh, they told me originally they called me here in denver mm-hmm. and they said i was going to be coming back but um apparently what happened was they could not locate teal oh, anywhere wow. <laughs> she moved away and to like minnesota or yeah. something and they were and and had no interest um mm. i caught up with her finally at some point maybe a few years ago and i think she was living somewhere with you know, married with a kid or something and just had no interest in. So it doesn't, it didn't, at the time, it didn't make sense, I suppose, to have Madeline without Louise there, but I'm hoping Amy reconsiders for the next one. Yeah, we'll see. that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if she were totally. to, yeah, one, you know. we'd support it. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. Apparently a lot of people weren't like super pleased with how they, how it ended the revival. I, it was just like such a cliffhanger. I think. Yeah. I think also like one of our thoughts about it was that it seemed like it ignored the 10 years that had happened and it would have made more sense if it happened closer to when the actual season or series ended. Um, but there's mm-hmm. so many constraints, you know, when she hadn't been a part of it. Well, Amy oh, Sherman Paladino hadn't been part of it. Season right. seven. Right. Right. So, so you're saying that it would have been better had they kind of picked up where they left off rather than skipping the 10 years you felt like the 10 years didn't make sense or something yeah with the context of where the characters were at in their lives and things okay but yeah i mean there's parts we definitely mm-hmm. liked as well <laughs> okay. who are your favorite characters oh man mm. i that's hard <laughs> i like kind <laughs> of i like a lot of the quirky town people like suki i really like and kirk and Lorelai. I really like Lane and Emily and Paris, definitely. There's, I like a lot of them, though. Mm. It's actually a show where there's a host of characters to like, I think. And not every show is that way. Sometimes I'm like, die hard for one cast yeah. member <laughs> versus the others. But cool. the writing, really, of the characters is just so strong. Yeah. All with their distinct personalities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do love Madeline Louise at Chilton. It's such a like a breath of fresh air. And I do 
I like when the show's at Yale. I like college, you know. I think it's fun and slightly more adult. But I do miss them, and I wish they could show up. But I do understand, like, Yale's probably not for them. (laughs) No. (laughs) Definitely not. What was it like to step into the role of Madeline? Like, when she and the other Chilton characters all have such a, like, specific life experience being at like prep schools and ultra wealthy and all of that kind of stuff was there anything in particular like any um anything else that you took for inspiration or anything like that as you were working with her character well I was um not just working on that show I was working on a ton of other stuff at the time Mm -hmm. um just doing guest starring spots on various things and I was working a lot so I'd always come back to her and a lot of the characters that I had done, you know, in other, on other shows, a lot of them were dark and tortured oh, yeah. characters. I did a lot of that time. Um, just kind of like that. I kept being called in for these like dark punky kind of people. And, um, and so coming back to every time I got a script on my doorstep of the next episode, I would open it up and, read it and always be so uh, happy to because Madeline to me was always such a sweet heart and and a kind person even though she was supposed to be bad sometimes I think eventually Amy realized that Madeline wasn't a mean hearted person in any way and and I liked I really liked seeing how she evolved and but just reading those scripts I, I just she's she, you said it, uh, she was like, she was like a breath of fresh air. And I just mm. had fun. I don't know. I didn't do anything to prepare for Madeline. I would just, it was just like stepping into the costume wardrobe. And just, that was, that was it. I don't know why I did. It just was so easy to play her. Yeah. That's gotta be like really a fun. perfect or like one of the be- better experiences for an actor, somebody that you just like feel like you can step into easily without trying too too yeah, much. Stress. Yeah, no crying, no like yeah. no all of this stuff where I was doing all those shows and um, playing all of these dark you know characters and um, and it was just yeah, it was just easy breezy and and really fun I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) what was it like being part of a sort of like dynamic duo with the whole Madeline and Louise like every scene you're almost never without your partner you know like a recurring scene partner and whatnot uh it felt good to have um have uh that sort of support that team teammate Mm -hmm. um because Liza, like, for instance, Liza and I were really good friends off camera, like in our personal lives, um, but not necessarily on set because uh, she had a way of working that was just like, it was just like, I don't know. I can't explain it very well. She, mm-hmm. We were very good, very good friends um, for a very long time in our personal lives. But on set, it was it was different. We didn't we hung out together and all that stuff, but it was just it was just different and, and it was good, you know, cause I always, you know, Teal and I always had each other's backs and I was mm-hmm. close. I mean, I did this show since episode, well, the first episode after the pilot and uh, it was great to grow up with the crew mm-hmm. and, 
and to really develop those relationships from the onset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the like yeah. aspects of being in such a long running show that I like I feel like us as the audience always forget is that you start at like a certain age and really are mm-hmm. like so intertwined with these people for so long. It really impacts yeah. how you grow up and how you like move on to new projects and stuff like that. I imagine. Yeah. Well, I was older. Um, I was older than, but Teal was 17, I think when we started and I was 29 and, um, I think Keiko and I were very similar in age. And, um, uh, so, but still it was my first job. So growing up Mm. in that way. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Like I knew that Keiko was older. I guess (laughs) I didn't like put together the fact, like the fact that you were also much older than your character, but Oh, yeah, I'm kind of in shock. I would never have guessed from, like... (laughs) You look so youthful. Thank you. uh, Yeah, I'll be 52 in August, and um, I certainly don't look 52 at all, and I don't feel 52. I'm um, I'm pickling myself. Uh, (laughs) Actually, the fact is I love pickles more than almost anything (laughs) so much. Uh, I like pickles as well. (laughs) Uh, I'll keep eating pickles then. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Next question. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, your experience on the set, each episode when we're recapping, we pick what we call a gazebo moment, which is essentially our favorite moment from the episode that you'd like want to go talk to a friend about at a gazebo and whatnot. So we're curious about what's your favorite, if you have like a standout memory or two of your experience um, that you would pick as a gazebo moment from your time acting on the show. Definitely. Well, my two favorite episodes to film were the Bengals episode um, and the spring break episode. Spring break was my favorite one to, to film. Um, I remember having my boyfriend on set with me when the shins were playing, when, you know, we were going to see the shins and I had to, Madeline and Louise go into the bar and we lick those guys hands and then we blah, blah, blah. And my boyfriend happened to be with me on set and the director, Chris Long said, do you, do you want your boyfriend to be the, ah. I think I directed that episode. I'm not hundred percent sure, but anyway, he said, do you want your boyfriend to be the guy? And I'm like, sure. Why not? That's fun. <laughs> um, but that just in general, that whole episode was such a blast to film. Um, I also really loved filming um, with, cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't work a lot with uh, Lauren mm-hmm. and, and I certainly didn't work very much with, uh, with Melissa, although Melissa was one of those, she's a person that every time I would see her like at a table read or at craft service for some reason, maybe we're just like two ships in the night. Um, she's always so friendly and saying, hello, hello. <laughs> hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. What's going on? Tell me whatever. And I really always appreciated her. So being able to be in an episode with her was so much fun acting together. Um, and then doing that, I really loved doing that scene in Lorelai's living room mm-hmm. with all the clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a really good moment for me. I liked that one a lot. And filming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the at the Sea Sprite Motel, they, they, we stayed at the motel, oh, cool. so we didn't have to drive yeah. all the way back. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you say how do you think Gilmore Girls has impacted your life since the show ended or since you left the show after the spring break episode well first of all it really helped my life a lot in terms of putting me 
uh, into a position where being on a hit television show uh, to be in a position where I'm not pre-reading with casting director, you know, anymore. I'm going straight to producers and booking roles based on the fact that I've already, you know, have been working. That helped a lot. Um, The pay was great and I still get paid from it. Obviously not nearly as much, but Mm -hmm. I got paid from the show for a very long time. I, um, and still, um, obviously the health and medical benefits were great to have just a regular uh, job. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was great to have, um, have that show because even though I was doing all kinds of other stuff when I was doing that show, it was all, everything was okay because I had a job and I was going to continue to have a job and hopefully, but I did. And it was a security that I had never, I grew up, I'm not sure if you read my book, Blue Highways, but mm-hmm. yeah. just, thank you very <laughs> yes. much. I appreciate that a lot. Um, so if you read my book, it does tell a lot of stories about, um, about how I grew up and you know, from reading it, that there was some really hard times. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really have, I'd never had a sense of like security and foundation in my life. My life was very much, um, run by chaos. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was to have a bipolar one father and to have, um, taking care of him and to have the, the mother and the stepfather and and the brother that I had, um, and the abuse and stuff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the abuse and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but that, that sort of stuff really set up, um, a fear in me. I've had panic disorder since I was five. I remember my very first panic attack. I just, Mm. um, and that's what monkey is for. Um, as opposed to being an emotional support animal, she can, she can sense when my alarm Mm -hmm. bells are starting to go off. Mm-hmm. She barks, barks, barks <laughs> at me. And in that case, like when we're at school and it, like the school, school, not my acting studio. Um, and I'm in a classroom and it's pandemonium. This is why I don't really like to be the head teacher of a classroom like that. It's because I start to feel like I'm out of control and my, my bells go off and then she'll start barking and they'll say, Miss Shelley, why is monkey barking? And I'll say, well, why do you mm-hmm. think he's barking? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm starting on the onset of a panic attack. Um, so the fact that I had such stability with the show, it, it gave me a sense of, of, of safety. And that's something that I didn't realize I needed until I started to have it. Mm. And that's probably the best thing that the show gave me, but also having gone to the fan fest, the last few years um and developing relationships nick holmes has become really my best friend um he played robert in the life and death mm-hmm. and um he has become my best friend and uh, the relationships in general that i've developed over the last years um especially the last four or so years that i've been going to the fan fest um and i'm yeah. I mean, I was really close with Liza for a long time, but, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I moved away. Yeah, and happens. Kind of the just, I was like, eh, it's not worth keeping. I don't know. You know, sometimes relationships like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. Going back to like your book and how vulnerable you are in that, um, what is something that you hope people like reading your book in similar situations or have who have similar memories would be able to take from like reading through your kind of processing of the experiences and everything? I think that the journey uh, that the book t- uh, takes is very similar to my journey and I, which I, I guess makes sense. And, um, and I've been told that the book is very um, um, visceral, like um, it's very descriptive in terms of imagery. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a double. Mm-hmm, yeah. So maybe it's <laughs> really great. But I really, I really enjoyed writing it. Um, and one of the things that I left, like when I finished it, Nick helped me. He didn't help me with the writing, but he helped me with just powering through it. And, um, one of the things when I finished, I knew I was done. It's only 49 or 50 pages. And I I knew I was done with that, with that. I mean, I'm not done writing, but I was done with that. And, um, that collection of stories and, um, and it felt right. It just felt right. And I, and I passed it around to a few people. I sent it to Devin Schwartz, 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 who played Bill, I think at Yale, the newspaper, um, and I sent it also, he's a really smart guy. He, I think he went to Yale. Um, and I sent it to Nick and a couple of other people. And a lot of people said, well, it's just scratching the surface. We want more. And I said, well, that's what this is. And Nick agreed with me. He's like, done. It's mm-hmm. great. It's done. And, and I just feel like the journey that she takes the little girl, me, um, from, despair and punishment and hopelessness to hope and joy and laughter and you know pain uh mm-hmm. but the understanding that i survived and that i think that i didn't go the route of drugs and you know um a lot of things that I, that I could a lot of bad choices that I could have made I, I feel like I, I survived and I and I pushed hard to survive um and I, I want people to feel like they're not alone that's the most important thing that I, I can that I wanted to convey in that because if somebody because I think we we have an inherent nature to feel alone especially when we've been abused badly mm-hmm and witnessed the depravity of humankind and um especially as a little child when you know Mm -hmm. when a little child isn't able to really truly defend themselves that's why i'm such an animal advocate because animals don't have a voice um but i just want people to feel if they read it to feel like they're not alone and that's why i've felt so strongly about transitioning into working with special ed kids um, so that I can give back to the world. I think it's really important to take care of each other. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I understand the like form and structure of the book even more listening to you talk and like describe your earlier life as chaos. And I think it's cool the way like the different sections sort of embody that, you know, like there is the linear 
the linear narrative like you described but there's also kind of it's like fragments or snapshots and I just love the way at the end you have some stories where like you can read these if you Mm -hmm. want or not (laughs) then we'll come back around I just love that I think it's so playful you know and I just love I thought it was really fun way I like structure and form and things in books Mm -hmm. thank you and I think rounding it all up with um with the epilogue about Stella um, mm-hmm. was for me personally, I felt like it was like the perfect ending. And all of those um, uh, hand-drawn oh, yeah. characters went Ella. And when she realized that she was on sh- such short time, she's like, oh, I've got months to do this. I'm like, you have like four more days. And she's like, <laughs> oh, crap, I better do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Jack, I love Jack. Um, the deer Oh, mm-hmm. I like, I think the Jack and monkey are my favorite ones, but the mouse is a really close mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, they're definitely, they're real, you know, animals and things or objects, but it's also just, I like the way they're so symbolic for the theme or the experience you're trying to describe at that time. Like it was very real to you, but it's also as a reader, such a good symbol to kind of latch mm-hmm. on to, you know? Yeah. I was going to see if I have a copy of it. Oh, I do. Can I um, read the epilogue? Oh, yeah. Please do. Yes, please. I have one copy of it. <laughs> Let's see. All right. Uh, where's Jack? Oh. <laughs> Jack. Uh, okay, epilogue. Here we go. I think my fa- I found my eternal love for animals when, I, when, at five years old, my dad caught a little mouse in a trap in our garage. But she did not die right away. Little Stella, I called her. She was very hurt. And she was on her way. We found Stella Mouse in the trap and my dad got her out and I held her in my little hands. And then I put her in a tiny box with a bed that I'd made from a washcloth and a tiny bowl of water sat next to her, willing her to live. She didn't though. My little girl heart broke the first time. This was before the little birdie and after my fear of heaven. So here's to you, little Stella Mouse. You helped me find my heart. You're with me always. I'm so sorry we hurt you. I've never hurt a little mouse since, and I promise I never will. XX, Shelly. <laughs> I love that. I can just envision it Beautiful. As well. <laughs> I really see, like, the theme or the mission of caring as, like, the mm-hmm. central, you know, in your current work and also what you're describing in the book, which is just very beautiful. Like, caring for each other and others and animals, humans. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to read that. It's really important oh, to yeah. me. Thank you for yeah. reading it. I, you know, it's one thing to read in your own head, but I love to go to, you know, an author reading and how they read it, the different inflection, you know, how it affects them. My story, right? It's different. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You mentioned um, this was one thing you wrote, but you're not done writing. Do you have any plans or hopes for other writing projects and what kind of would you like to do? Something similar, different? Well, um, I post a lot of stuff about cooking on social media, um, some periodically, and um, I've, I've built really a lot of um, really great relationships with the fan base because of going to these um, fan fests that I've gone to on the East Coast. And so many people have suggested I write a cookbook. And I was thinking in sorts... I like the idea, but it's not really a cookbook per se. It's more like recipes, absolutely, but stories 
that relate to the recipes or relate um, metaf- m- you know, metaphorically, mm-hmm. let's say uh, I want to write about my favorite way to cook garlic and tomatoes together. I might talk about, um, I mean, it's in the works, but I might talk about garlic and how garlic is such a great metaphor for life or you know, just as an example, I'm not saying that yeah. story, but I'm just using that as an example. Um, so it's basically tales with, some recipes, some recipes are like, um, you know, some of these tales, you know, can be some, some experiences that I've had, um, et cetera. So I'm still putting it together. It's a long way off for sure, but I really enjoyed writing the last book and it just came out of me so easily, uh, that I think, um, I want to do it again, but in a different way. And I'm still kind of piecing it together and seeing what it really looks like. Cause I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. That sounds so interesting. Yeah. And cooking and food are so intertwined with like identity, mm-hmm. family, culture, like so many things. I could see how it would easily translate into a memoir or essays, you know, oh, philosophy, <laughs> garlic and life, you know, I could see it. Yeah. Well, I've already got a title picked out, so I'm not going to share Fun. it in case I change it. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to um, keep some things close. Yeah. It's based on the, the title of a play that I read along uh, and I saw and actually performed it a long time ago. It was a Broadway play. One, I think the Pulitzer, Tony or both. Um, and Mary Louise Parker was in it. Uh, but I'm thinking that's the working title, but it it really fits with what I'm trying to do. But again, I'm still trying to piece it together and figure out what it really looks like. And I'm not sure yet. It's, it's more difficult than the book that I wrote, the blue highway. More, more like moving parts, kind of (laughs) unknowns. Yeah. Plus then there's like, you know, if you, as you saw with blue highways, it's, you know, like black and white on, you know, off white paper what does a cookbook look like? Yeah. Right. Am I going to have to go like a whole different level in terms of printing? Am I going to print, you know, paint color paint, you know, like, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to, it's, yeah. it's a bigger production, I think, than, than definitely than Blue Highways was. Blue Highways was easy. You mentioned that part of your inspiration for the, the potential cookbook was from the Gilmore Girls community. How did they also impact yeah. your uh, writing Blue Highways, you mentioned that they were inspiration and, inspirational in that as well. Yeah, I think I acknowledge mm-hmm. them in in, in the mm-hmm. acknowledgments. Um, and like I said, the the community has become more than just a Gilmore Girls community. They've become like a like my, you know I feel part of this community very much, friends, family, and um, we were in. Uh, this little town out that we were in a couple of years ago, we went, we were in Kent for the first part of it. And then we went to this other thing called the secret event. And, um, (laughs) and I can't remember where it was, but it was in Connecticut Lakeview or something. I don't know. Anyway. So we were doing a panel and the panel was run by Jenny um, who does the fan fest. um, And she was doing, it was basically called in Omnia Paratus, which means down for anything or up for anything. Yeah. (laughs) I never had heard the term before this, basically. I I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't seen those episodes or anything. Anyway, we were doing that panel. And one of the questions uh, that somebody had asked was, 
um, what gives you the inspiration to like do the things you do? For instance, I want to write a book, this woman said, um, but I consider it and I just feel like kind of like I can't get started. Kind of like, you know, that episode. Uh, I think that's the name of an episode, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. Cool just can't get started. Hey. Something like that. <laughs> just can't, yeah. Anyway, um, so I said, you want to write a book? And she said, yeah, but I just I don't know how to get it going and motivated to do it and stuff. And why, you know, why would I? And I said, I feel the same way. I've been writing down the stories for a long time. And then I think back and I think about it and I think, well, who would care? You know, like who cares? Who's going to run and read my book? Who's going to read and read my stories? Right. And I said, so I know how you feel. Um, but what are you going to get out of it? If you do it, are you going to have like a sense of accomplishment? Do you have things that you want to tell that will like, get out of you? What do you, why do you want to do it? And she said, I just feel like I have a lot to say. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, come this time next year at FanFest, if I go, which I did, I'll have a book. I will finish my book and I challenge you to do it too. And that was the impetus for really making it into a book. I'd been writing stories for a long time, but um, I hadn't really formed a, a like a cohesive beginning, middle and an end. And I hadn't really known what I was going to do or if I, I, I had no intentions of putting it out there. Um, and then that really, that challenge and that inspiration pushed me forward. And I'm so glad and grateful mm -hmm. for it. That's totally why I did it. That's such a cool, <laughs> such a cool way to start something. Yeah. If you do it, I'll do it. Yeah. If I do it, you do it. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that. I, did that fan write a book as well? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're a bestseller I mean, I guess if they did they um would have told me I'm thinking yeah yeah <laughs> so you've talked a lot about how you transit or um, are now you know teaching and working with younger students and everything um what's something that is as an acting coach was like the hardest thing to convey to students that is required in acting or something that was yeah, really challenging to teach, but rewarding, hopefully, in the end. <laughs> a lot of people ask me, um, well, so have your students booked anything? Or or mm. one of the things that I really, them really turned off by is when maybe a student will come to me for the first time. And, and I often ask, why do you want to do acting? I don't want to say why you want to be an actor because you're an actor. <laughs> That's what you do, you know, state it as you, as, 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 as positive. Um, the, the biggest turnoff to me is I want to be uh, famous. And I, for me, that's, that's a result of working hard and, um, and it's not always a good result. I mean, I didn't really like doing any of that red carpet stuff. And um, that was my least favorite stuff to do. And that stuff's required. I didn't enjoy that. I, I didn't, mm. enjoy, you know, I, I said no to that job on NCIS, the play the girl, Abby. Um, Cause I didn't really want that life. I didn't, I don't care if I'd have more money than I ever needed in my life. I just didn't really want that life that, you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. I just didn't want yeah. it. And that's why I moved away ultimately. And I think one of the hardest things to get young actors to do, to get any actor to do, is to to listen, um, to really listen. Because 
for instance, um, I don't know what to do with my hands. Okay. Well, think about it like this. If you're thinking about what to do with your hands, you're not thinking about who your character, you know, you're not thinking like your character, you're not, and you're not really, I say the best thing you can do to not worry about what to do with your hands is to put your attention on the actor in front of you. Listen, listen and react. Your job as an actor ultimately is to entertain people. And how do you, you know, I ask students, what's your job? And they're like, to convey emotion. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, to uh, be in the moment. Okay. To it's to entertain. Um, but you do all of the other stuff by, you know, entertaining is your ultimate job. But the but most important part of that job, in my opinion, is listening and really listening to what's being said and put out there and responding to it. That's the hardest thing to get mm-hmm. out of an actor um, because we're all in our heads. And when when a parent says, do you think that they've got what it takes to be a star? I think that's not important to me. What is important to me is that your child faces uh, the world with bravery and courage and is able to stand up in front of people and be completely like emotionally naked and be able to um, find their confidence. And that's, that's what I care about. Whether or not your child has it what it takes to make it that is not my that's not up to me don't ask mm-hmm. that question um do i think your child has talent sure i've worked with kids with far less talent who have done far more you know yeah it's hard work mm-hmm. and um so listening yeah that sounds connected to me to how you uh made the deal with the fan about books <laughs> writing your books it's like mm-hmm. at some point you can you can have all these thoughts and uh, kind of uh, distractions, but in the end, you just have to do it. <laughs> be willing to like uh, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I um, I I don't really love the whole acting coach as God <laughs> thing. Um, and because I I really. I think it's absolutely imperative that an acting coach um, makes themselves vulnerable um, and to show what it looks like and to show how it feels to be afraid and to work through it. And so I will, I will never, ever ask anything of the actors that I work with to do something that I'm not mm-hmm. willing to do first. Um, we had this exercise a while back where I asked everyone to give their own eulogy (laughs) um and from the person that you you know you feel the most connected to in life and um and I went first uh I mean it was hard to get through but especially if 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 you're truthful with Mm -hmm. the exercise and I and they were it was was amazing wow that'd be very touching very emotional yeah I've never been to any kind of like acting coaching or classes but it's really interesting to hear about and we have taught a lot of writing and I feel like there's some parallels there where you know you they are writers when they come to you but it's like what would you like to work on or you know whatnot you already already have your own writing process and 
also listening though and reading and like actually you know be open to the information you receive and things like that I I did there's just some maybe I don't think there's always many universal truths but maybe there are some in teaching yeah. you know like connections of like just what we want to do through teaching and coaching and whatnot we want to bring out the best in people mm-hmm. don't we yeah yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I like to put kids in the director's chair from time to time because um, because they get a very, very different point of view on like like how to act like when you're responsible for somebody else, mm-hmm. um, for somebody else to bring out the best in them, you have to see more than just you know what's inside of you. You have to see what's inside of them, the possibilities, um, where we want the story to go and how we're going to get there and how we're going to get the vulnerability out of that actor or the comedy out of that actor. And um, it requires so much more than, than acting. And it's so, so beneficial to students to be in that position. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think cool to (laughs) kind of start wrapping things up. um, We have one kind of fun uh, alternate universe type question for you. So going back to Gilmore Girls, if you could change any choice that Madeline did in the show or have her go on a different trajectory, what would you change for her from the show and how would it impact her future? Whoa. Really not. I don't subscribe to regret Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Our choices have made us where we are now and I really don't believe in regret. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nothing yeah, no, that's I'm fine. No, that's okay. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm done because she's just she she freaking Madeline lives by the seat mm-hmm. of her pants. She doesn't mm-hmm. have filter, uh, and she just uh, does what she feels inspired to do. Thankfully, she was born with money. Um, yeah. A lot of people aren't, but we doesn't mean we can't. You know, still live a life of of like freedom of choice and just and and have fun. And I think that she um she's she didn't need to go to college if she didn't. You know, maybe that was just yeah. Bad, you know, yeah. And the yeah the like image that you painted for her in her future, where you think she went after the end of the show, sounds great. Anyways, so why change that? Yeah, cool. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Definitely. And I don't think she wanted to have any more than one child. Yeah. I think she just. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Sebastian. Bash. Or Jean Luc. Jean Luc. That's good too. Oh, that would be good. Maybe that's the husband. (laughs) Yeah, that's his name, Jean Luc. And he he goes Mm. Jean Luc. He doesn't go by John. Yeah, full name all the time. (laughs) That's awesome. And he'll correct people as well. I love that. Mm, I could see that for sure. All right. Well, so much ahead to, to wrap. Yeah. For the end, um, where can people find you and your work? And do you have anything coming up you'd like to shout out at all? Um, well, I'm not going to the fan fest this year. I don't think so. I'm just too, too racketed with so much other stuff to mm-hmm. do. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, Nick, Nick and I are both aren't going to go this year scheduling stuff. Um, but, uh, plus I've got this new job. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm going to be working, um, as a special ed, um, professional and my book blue highways is on Amazon and it's, 
very fast read and it's just fun. I, I love it. I'm very happy about it. Um, and then, um, uh, well, I'm on Instagram, Shelly Cole 88, I think. So okay, well, perfect. I'll have to follow you guys back. Is it called Talking yeah, Fast? Talking Fast Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. This was yeah, really thank fun. You. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Have a great uh, rest of your you weekend. Too. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Good luck with the yeah. new job. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.